You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, John Wackerman, has had an incredible career as a touring drummer, writing and recording music for television and commercials, and running his recording studio out of Las Vegas. He has also created an amazing series called Drum Duets that has two installments with some of the world's most prolific drummers, and he is currently working on a third. We are going to talk about all of these things and more, so come along with me as I catch up with John Wackerman. John, welcome to the podcast. Are we live? We are live. I sold that from Vanucci. <laughs> Isn't Ronnie that. great? Ronnie's the best. I love I that man. Yes. He's an awesome drummer, but he's also just an awesome human being. And you know, yeah. him him and Brooks, they have the same birthday. Did you know that? February 15th. They were almost Valentine babies. Yes. Yeah. I, those, you know, Brooks, Brooks and Ronnie are two of my favorite people. And when I heard that they had the same birthday, I was like, that just makes so much sense. Yeah. They both right? have the, the same dry humor. Yes. Um, and they both send the same jokes when they text. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> it is. It's perfect. Perfect match right there. Um, yeah. Yes. We, we are live and you have the most fabulous backdrop for anyone who is listening on a podcast platform and not watching on YouTube. We're in your studio right now. Yes. And my studio has lights. And uh, we built it, me and my wife, over the pandemic. And we kind of made, this room is a 1,600 square foot room, the live room. Mm -hmm. So it's more of like a multimedia room. So we do recording and everything, but we also do filming and all that kind of stuff. Hence the lights and, and all the stuff. Yeah, it, it is fantastic. And so did you find that in the pandemic you had to adjust what, I mean, we all had to adjust, but um, I guess the question is, how did you adjust to that? You built this studio, you started doing a lot of things in-house, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, we, we built the studio before the pandemic hit. Um, we had ideas for it going back and forth. And then, and then, yeah, once it hit, when everything shut down, uh, Rob Katz, who's the engineer, he engineered at Studio at the Palms here in Vegas. And then they shut down. He was looking for a place. We'd been talking for a couple of years. So we just kind of expedited it and then got the studio done, which is great because a lot of people came and recorded because they couldn't tour and all that kind of stuff. So it, it turned out to be perfect timing. And we got all our materials right before everything went up like 10 times, which is was, crazy. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's great that you did that you did build it before the pandemic because things were not only more expensive but a lot of things were on back order and it was tough to get equipment exactly and and we had our crews in here and everything but we had like the limited crews and everybody had masks on and all that kind of stuff and but but it worked out yeah that's great and it, so it looks fantastic and um tell me about some of the things that you've been doing there so um before the pandemic luckily i was always doing a lot of internet sessions so doing drum tracks for people and everything during the pandemic, that just kind of picked up, which was nice. Um, you know, before that, I was doing a lot of shows here in Vegas and all of them shut down. Um, so yeah, so it was a great kind of thing and and uh, Skyping lessons and all that kind of stuff, you know. And that was going totally to be my, my next question, the lessons thing, because I think like 
amazingly enough, the pandemic gave everyone a new way to teach. Um, Right. You know, and one of the things that I think is amazing that came out of all of that is that there's a way to reach our favorite drummers now to book lessons, you know, or to book mentoring sessions, all of these things. It's like, those were never possibilities. You, 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 everyone was going, going, going on the road so often and all of that. Um, but now there's like so many platforms to reach your drumming influences to be able to have a lesson or talk with them or have a, an info session, right? Yeah. And and like you said, I think it created a lot of stuff that, that other people weren't thinking about doing. And then, and then also, I mean, I think when a pandemic hit, everybody reassesses, you know, their life and all that kind of stuff. I think that there was a lot of positive stuff, you know, a lot of negative stuff, but also a lot of positive stuff, which is kind of like when we tour, like, you know, Sarah, it's like, there's so many things out of our control. Mm-hmm. planes, um, buses and all that kind of stuff late and you get to the gig and you can't sound check, all that kind of stuff. The pandemic was kind of like that. And I think we just all adapted, right? Right, right. One of the things I think that musicians are really great at is rolling with what happens, making adjustments, you know, right. kind of going with the flow because you learn that from life on the road and from the fact that things change often. And, and a lot of times you right. are you know, you are reliant on someone else's schedule or a, you know, bigger production. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, I, I've been saying that resiliency is kind of the theme of our industry throughout this whole thing and to see things coming back and to see tours happening again and people getting back out on the road and getting back together. It's just, it's so, um, refreshing. Yeah. And I mean, things that we took for granted and stuff, you don't take for granted anymore, right? I mean, it was a whole reset and, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the things I've heard often is that musicians have kind of reassessed how they spend their time and what they spend time on. Do you find that to be true for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely more, I mean, I think we we always know that, you know, time is our biggest commodity, right? But then yeah. we get into certain things, you're making money, you're doing this, you're doing all these projects and everything. I think you, you get away from certain things of, okay, why, why did I start playing music? Why did I start playing drums? You know, mm-hmm. maybe I won't do this, maybe I do this instead and, and you know, be a, a little more pure like we used to be, right, when we started. Yeah, like kids again, right? <laughs> like kids again, yeah. I mean, I think I, we're, all, we're all kids in this industry, right? We never really grow up, you know? And that's why I think everyone's so young in this industry, right? Everybody ke- stays young because we're all kids at heart. Right. We totally are. And I think, you know, we're we're lucky that we get to play music, that we get to express, you know, which I think is one of the biggest spiritual things that you can do. Um, music transcends everything. It transcends, you know. I mean, rhythm is like the number one thing that they find when they find, you know, people that never you know, had the internet and all that kind of stuff years ago and everything. It's like, everybody's playing drums. It's like crazy, right? Rhythm is like yeah. in our soul. Absolutely. And if you go back to every time in history, there's, there's rhythm. There's, you know, that that is, that's the language. It's the right. communication tool. It's, you know, it's just found in so many different places throughout the history of humanity. And, you know, it, it is, it is amazing and it's unifying you know, um, one of the things that I think about often is just how 
music brings people together and it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter any, none, nothing matters. Just the fact that you're together enjoying right. music and it's such a unifying experience. And I don't know, it's just that one thing I feel, I feel can't be touched by, you know, anything that separates people. Exactly. I have a friend that I went to high school with and we were in drumline together and uh, he's a highly successful surgeon. And he comes to Vegas and we connect every once in a while and everything. But what he does is he still plays drums. Like on the mm -hmm. weekend, that's his stress-free thing. And it helps his practice. It helps his life and everything. And there's something to that, you know. And we all know that. Like when you practice and stuff, it's, it's kind of a Zen experience. Mm -hmm. People say spiritual or something like that. Because we're doing repetitive things like rudiments and all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely, you know, then they have drum circles and all that kind of stuff for therapy. You know, all that stuff yeah. is... It's real powerful. The music therapy thing too. That that is an amazing thing. Um, yeah. But I think I do agree that it's healing. I have those days where I'm just like, you know, I just like need to sit down and play drums and right you, even for twenty minutes, and then you feel better afterward. <laughs> you just feel better. I don't know what it is, but it's, well, it changes it your energy, right? It yeah. changes your whole flow, your whole energy. Maybe something that was bothering you doesn't bother you as much, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. It's so true. Yeah. And I, I want to go back to something, too. We, we just talked about, like, being kids and um, that feeling of playing when we're, when we're children. And I just want to go back a little bit in time and talk about your start because, you know, we all think about your family and this industry as being kind of like, it's like a drumming royal family. You, got, you come from this, this amazing yeah, was it it really wasn't amazing. I mean, looking back, you know, and of course with Chad, my oldest brother, and then Bob, who played bass, he actually did play drums too. He played drums in marching band and drumline. And and he took from Murray Spivak, who we all took from too. He took rhythm on bass and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those, growing up in it, you don't realize. But I mean, at, at five, my dad had me playing piano. Mm -hmm. um, Chad was already playing drums. And Brooks is, and Bob was playing bass. And then, um, and then, yeah, the story is, you know, my dad bought a boat and then my cousin, Mike, he fell off the boat and oh. hit his head, busted it open. They had to take him to the hospital and everything. Oh, and no. I think that's what's the matter with Mike still. But anyways, <laughs> um, so my mom said, you know, okay, we can't have this. We got, you know, the boys here and we don't want them to hurt themselves. So my dad sold the boat and he bought a pair of vibes because he always wanted to play vibes. And so they were in the living room and I thought vibes was more fun than piano because it's, you know, more percussive and all that kind of stuff. I could barely do it. But so then my dad said, okay, if you want to play vibes, got to get you lessons. So I started lessons there and my dad and my mom, I mean, they were like so gun ho. I don't know how they had so much time, but I mean, they would have us at lessons. My dad would take us to lessons and then my dad had the jazz band the junior high mm -hmm. jazz band. He had people from third grade to eighth grade. And he, we would have jazz band before school, like 6.30. Then we would have night rehearsals, six to eight. And then we would go to jazz festivals on the weekend. And then wow. we would do that with, with concert band and with orchestra. And it was just crazy. And then in our garage, we always had drums set up. My dad you know, was a drummer. Yeah. My dad would also play gigs at night after he taught. And then in the summers, he would come here to Vegas and he would play shows here. So we were 
fully immersed in music. And then when we weren't doing all that, we'd be going, going to drum clinics. We'd be going to PAS conventions. We, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I saw drum clinics from Hal Blaine, from Billy Cobham, from Louis Belson, Buddy Rich. I mean, it was like heavily immersed in all these amazing people. And my dad knew them all. So I'd be hanging out with these people as a kid mm -hmm. and just like soaking all the stuff up as a sponge. And so, yeah, so I got into vibes. Um, Chad was playing drums in jazz band, so I couldn't play drums. Uh, Bob was playing bass. So then uh, they didn't have a vibe player, but I had to audition. You know, my dad had me audition and everything. Just funny. So I think I got in jazz band at six. And then he used to get us gigs like we, play, we played at the NAMM show. We played at like all these places he would have our jazz band play and do some TV stuff and everything. And it was just a crazy great time to grow up. And then Brooks was born. And, uh, and I used to play Buddy Rich albums and Tony Williams albums under his crib. Oh, and I love that. I know, right? We were just like that total crazy drum family. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then from there, I, I played vibes. And then I was always playing drums because they were always around. And our, our garage wasn't soundproofed. And we had really cool neighbors, except when one neighbor moved in. And then uh, they kept calling the cops. And uh, I think Brooks told you that. And, <laughs> and then they were, story. yeah, and then they're like coming over, like threatening to like take our drums and stuff. It's like, <laughs> what? You know? So then we all, we all soundproof the garage. You know, we got like triple drywall. We got built the walls inside the walls, all that kind of stuff. And so that helped a lot, you know? Amazing. But yeah, yeah. but it was looking back, it was like a real, uh, amazing time and and my parents were just like so supportive i mean I, I remember one time i think i must have been 10 or 11 and i was doing a, a pas uh drum competition and for yes. some reason for some reason my dad he got something or he had to be somewhere else so my mom drove me up we were in seal beach and drove me up to northridge which is about uh, probably probably about an hour drive you know to the valley and everything and and my dad took the van and then my mom, the other car that we had was a truck and it was a, a stick. Mm -hmm. Well, my mom, my mom didn't drive stick. So, so my mom said, you know what? You got to get up to this thing. So we're just going to go really, really early. So my mom got in and got on the freeway. Well, she couldn't get it out of second gear. So oh. we're going, <laughs> we're going like 30 miles per hour on the freeway. And, and it took us like two and a half hours to get there. And then we put the flashers on and all that kind of stuff. And my mom was like, you know, we're going to get, get you there. And then, uh, yeah, and then we got there. And then luckily, I think I won that contest. I did a bunch of them. But, but that's how de determined my parents were. And they, they kind of, you know, set that into us. Just being yeah. real determined and practicing every day and, you know, all that stuff, which we thought was normal. You know, I never, yes. I never knew that wasn't normal until we grew up. And I was like, wow, my parents were like superhuman. You know, yeah, that's amazing. And I, I just have to say, you know, your parents would come to Nam every year. Yeah, and, right. Right. And I would just it was like a highlight for me for yeah, Nam they're awesome. to see them and see you all together when you would all be there. It was the sweetest thing. And they were they, I mean, just to have that kind of support is incredible. I yeah, love and, that story. And their support is like over the top. I mean, you know, when, when Chad got with Frank Zappa, none of us really knew much about Frank and mm -hmm. Chad, Chad just got it. And I remember we went to a rehearsal 
And I mean, my, my parents are musicians and, and they're pretty, you know, they, they're into other stuff, but they're still kind of conservative. And then uh, uh, Chad invited us to, to Frank's rehearsal. So we go up, we go up to his warehouse and, and we go in and everything and they, they start playing. And, and then, you know, Frank's being Frank, who is, you know, he's a genius, but he, he was like outrageous. And there was like all these blow up dolls on stage and like flying dildos and like all this crazy stuff going on. And I remember at the end, my parents were like, wow, Chad, you sounded great. And Frank's a genius. You know, it was like none of that stuff like phased them, which was funny because you would have thought that that would have phased, phased them. But they just love music and they love, you know, entertainment. They loved all that stuff. And yes, they understood you know, like the creativity and the genius behind it, whatever it, it was that was going on. Exactly. And then, you know, uh, they always go to all our gigs. And, and you know, if you were playing a, a jazz gig to 40 people, to them, they would make you feel just as important as if you're playing an arena. They come to both mm -hmm. gigs. You know what I mean? It was just, it was more about the playing and the music than, than the pageantry, I guess. So amazing. It's, it's incredible. And, and also like for them to teach that work, work ethic, you know, because right. I always say like playing drums is not something that, um, it's not like an easy thing. Like you don't, no. It, you know, it's a big instrument and it's expensive and it's loud and it takes up a lot of space and it takes a lot of time to really get to the point where you can consider yourself a professional musician on the right. drum, right? And so um, I, I think that like that work ethic is so important to success, like understanding how much time and effort goes into it. Um, you know, your mom taking extra time, leaving extra time because she knew it was going to take extra time to get there driving in second gear. Like that's, that's right. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all that and all that's helped all of us, I think in all our careers, you know, just being consistent, knowing that we have a reputation that, that, uh, you'd be dependable and, and, you know, I mean, that's with any professional, right. And, and I know it's across the board with all, all drummers and stuff. I mean, I remember Jeff Picard told me, if you're on time, you're late. So his whole yeah. thing was always, you know, you have to be early. And my parents yeah. were always that way and, and little things like that. And I remember when we were hanging out with Hal Blaine, you know, him just talking about playing for the song and stuff, which are, especially when you're a kid and stuff like that, those are heavy concepts, you mm -hmm. know, because we, we all want to do chops. We all want to, you know, learn stuff and everything. But then actually playing for the song and supporting the singer and, and you know grooving hard and all that kind of stuff those are harder concepts i think especially when you first begin and yes. my parents you know really you know drove those concepts in with us and everything and playing playing in bands all the time and and uh i was fortunate enough to you know play in a ton of bands early um i grew up in in you know orange county and you know, at the time you have amazing players like John Petitucci and all that kind of stuff. And you're doing all mm -hmm. these gigs and they're on it, you know? So it was a great time to grow up and it was a great time to, to see all the musicality that you could learn. Absolutely. I, I feel like, you know, you mentioned how your dad was friends with all of these drummers and these musicians and kind of yeah. grew up like surrounded by this, like who's who of, of musical legends, you know? So Right. And then my, incredible. Yeah. And then my dad was smart. It's like he would have the guest artists come out for a concert. So we'd have like Maynard Ferguson or Louis Belson and they would play with the junior high band. They play like one song and would get the rehearsal with them. And, you know, it helped the kids and it helped all of us. And just, you know, and a difference of a pro coming in on your 
junior high band was amazing. You know, you're like, oh, that's what music is about, you know? Yeah, that is that's that is amazing. And you went on to play with Maynard Ferguson. Yeah, I did. Right? It, it, he was yeah, he was awesome. My brother Bob, me and my brother Bob played at him, played with him at the same time after the Bisnet brothers did. And yeah, it was so funny that the weirdest thing about Maynard, which you wouldn't think, is like he knew everybody. Like I remember we played up at the uh, uh, San Francisco, the Great American Musical, and. And after backstage was Robert Plant and Neil Schoen. And then um, when we played in New York, Steely Dan came out. It's like all these oh people, gosh. all these people that you wouldn't think, you know, I meant, meant all these people. And it's like, that is so odd. You know, you wouldn't right. think, but, but it's like, like I always say, everybody likes to put people in boxes, you mm -hmm. know, and, and musicians are musicians. It's funny when people say, well, even when Brooks got with Avenge, you know, a lot of, fans are like, oh, he's a punk drummer. He can't play metal, you know, and all that stuff is just not true, you know, and right. it, it goes with so many drummers. There's so many musicians or, and, um, you know, if, yeah. unless you want to be that kind of drummer and just be in a band, most musicians, they listen to everything. Right. And we, Absolutely. we all, we all try to play everything. We all try to grab influences from different places and yeah, for and, sure. I, I think crossover. It, absolutely. And and I think like a lot of times that comes through in the music. Um, if you have, you know, you have multiple influences, you might be playing a metal gig or you might be playing a jazz gig, but you're bringing all of that that's kind of in you to the table. And I think that makes like a really well-rounded drummer as well, because. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, when Brooks got into Avenge Sevenfold, I mean, I was, of course, like so incredibly excited but I was also really, really excited to see him play that kind of music too, because I knew what he was capable of. I knew what, what was in him um, as far as his playing goes, but I was like really excited just to see and hear him play the music. And of course, like he's yeah. so fantastic. Same here. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so great. Um, and I want to talk too about another thing that you've done besides all the touring and the, the amazing musicians you've played with the drum duets project. Yes. My, my passion, mean, my passion oh, project. It's so, so great. You know, like, I mean, all of the, the drummers that you've had on are just so fantastic, but tell us about the project, please. Cause it's so great. So the project I've, I've had for a long time before I started it. And then, um, so when I started volume one, I was just, I think, I think it was just something that I wanted to do. I mean, I never knew anybody that I loved writing drum pieces and stuff. And then I always wanted to write them for other amazing drummers and put it together and do it. I just didn't know Well, I didn't have the time at first. And then finally I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make the time for it. Mm -hmm. And so then, uh, <laughs> so then I just, I just did it. And and I was like, okay, who do I want on it? And I had my wish list and everything. And and the main guy that I want on it was Gad, of course, right? Yeah. Steve. Yeah. And uh, and so we went to a Zildjian party. And you know how the Zildjian parties were. They were, uh, this was early 2000s after the NAMM show. And mm -hmm. it was one of those nights. I think you might have even, even been there. It was with uh, honoring Louis Belson and Roy Haynes. 
You know what? I was not there. I, I, I think I helped set that up, but I was not there that year. I think I started going okay. to maybe the year after that. Okay, cool. So, so that was the party and, uh, and Steve was there mm -hmm. and I'd, I'd been telling my wife, Linda, you know, it's like, you know, Steve Gad, I want to get Steve Gad, blah, blah, blah. So then, uh, so she was like, you know, well, where is he? And I was like, oh, he's over there. And of course, you know, at those parties, Steve was there. He had like 50 people around him, around you know, it was like a, a full, full on swarm. So it's like, I didn't want to be that guy going over and, and, you know, pushing through and everything. And then saying, Hey, mm -hmm. you play on my drum duets project. So, yeah. so, so Linda was like, she's like getting bored, right? She's like, ah, well, we got to go. So I was talking to somebody else or whatever. Then I turn around, Linda got Carol and Steve right there. Turned around and Linda said, hey, Steve agreed to do your drum duets project. <laughs> I was like, because I never met Steve before. And I was like, oh, hey, Steve. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. I and love so Steve, that. Yeah, Steve was like, yeah, you know, talk, talk to John to Christopher, get my number, and then, and then uh, work it all out. So, yeah, I couldn't have done that without my wife. She, she went up and, uh, and fully, fully got it going. So, so he was the first one on my, on my volume one project. Mm -hmm. um, so then we worked it out and everything. And, and he only had one day. He was like, okay, I could do it, but you have to fly into Rochester. We, had, we recorded at a studio at Linden Oaks where James Taylor did one of his albums there. And Steve was just getting off tour, I think, with Eric Clapton. So, so Steve flies in the night before. We meet him, me and my wife, we fly to Rochester. And I think, I can't remember when it was, but I know it was snowing, so it was, it was cold. Mm -hmm. And and we get there and we get to the studio and everything and and Steve comes in at at ten, and and he's like, okay, I can do it. It's my day off. I only have an hour. I'll oh give you an God. hour. That's it. It can't go over. So I'm like, wow. you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. We could we could do it in an hour. Blah blah blah. So so we show up, get drum sounds and everything, and then uh, and then as soon as we're we're ready, like we talked it down and everything. As soon as we're ready to record. The SSL console goes out. Oh no! Yeah, it completely dies, and so, and and engineers like like scrambling and everything, and and you know Steve, he's like totally cool. He's you know doing coffee and everything, and yeah. Linda's talking to him. We're all we're all talking and everything. Yeah. But I'm like stressing like crazy because I'm like, okay, now our hour. You know, I'm watching the clock. It's like oh, okay, now we have 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay, now we have a half hour. They can't get the console up and they, and they have to use the console. They don't have enough mic priests to, to, to do it. So then finally, finally they get the console up at like quarter till 11. So we mm -hmm. have, we literally like have 15 minutes. So, you know, but you know, Steve, we, we ran through it is like, got, got the first take and I'm like, okay, you know, we're done. Get out of here, Steve. We're done. You know, it's great. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And Steve's like, no, nah, I, you know, I want to do another one, you know, and I'm like sweating because it's like five to like 11. And I'm like, I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I feel like uh, I want to do another one. And I'm like, okay, great. So he did another one. Boom. We were out of there. I love it. It's it so was great. awesome. Yeah. Steve, and Steve, he's just, he's just the best. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Steve, he's like so laid back and yeah. so humble and, and, uh, and you know just a great guy and and kills it you know he completely killed it Absolutely. so so after i got steve on volume one it was easy because yeah. i had him so it's like anybody else 
I approached, they're like, well, who's on it? I'm like, well, yeah. Gad's on it, you know? And so that, that just opened the door to, to all that stuff. And, and That's amazing. And shout out to your wife, to Linda. Thank yeah, you right. Linda, shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's incredible. Not the other artists that you had on there. I'll just list a few because they're all amazing, but you had Dennis oh, Chambers, awesome. Steve Smith, Peter yep. Erskine, Taylor Hawkins. Oh right? my gosh. Yeah. So Taylor, uh, okay. Try not to get emotional, but I, I know you knew Taylor too. I mean, Taylor was talking about another guy that was just amazing and full of bravado and, and, uh, so I'm going to digress for a second, but mm -hmm. uh, it's so sad that he's gone. I, I can't believe that he's gone. I mean, I still can't take his number out of my phone because I want yeah. to send him some something funny. But um, but yeah. So so, so Taylor. Yeah. Uh, he he was friends friends with Brooks, and I said, "Hey Brooks," I said, uh, "Ask Taylor if he play on my my drum duets." And this was volume two. And so Brooks goes, "Okay, cool." So. Uh, so Brooks calls him up and he goes, he goes, Hey Taylor, my brother wants you to play, you know, on his drum duets. And, <laughs> and Taylor goes, yes. And then hangs up. <laughs> and so Brooks calls me back and he goes, he goes, well, T-Hawk said, yeah. I said, Oh, cool. What else did he say? Well, he hung up. <laughs> so, so all he said was yes and hung up. Yeah. So I was like, well, am I supposed to call him? Am I supposed to email him? What am I? Brooks is like, I don't know. Just call him. Here's his number. So, so, so I, I called, I called him up and, uh, you know, he's, he was a thousand places, you know, he was doing all his mm -hmm. stuff and everything. So I left like, I left, I think five or six messages and then, uh, and then I finally got a hold of him and, uh, and his first thing was like, Oh man, he goes, I didn't call you back. Did I? I was like, no. And he goes, he goes, ah, oh, I'm such a jerk, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, he, and he's like, yeah, no, I'd love to do it. Blah, 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 blah. And so, so I told him, I said, okay. Uh, so I wrote a piece, I said, I, I think it'd be great, you know, and then we talked about like Rush and we talked about Yes and we talked about all these prog rock bands because that's what Taylor was totally into, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and so so I got off the phone, I was all excited and then, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to write him a prog rock piece because it's going to be fun, it'd be great, it'd be great to hear Taylor do this and everything. So I wrote him the piece and then uh, and I sent him an mp3 and I sent him some notes and, and stuff. And, uh, and I left a message and then, uh, we played phone tag again. And then, and then he just texts me back. He goes, goes, yeah, I got it. And so I said, well, do you have any questions or anything or blah, 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 blah. Cause normally I talk it through with another drummer. There'd be like some questions and everything. And Taylor's like, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. And then, uh, I think eight months, was it eight months or nine months? I think it was eight months. So then, uh, Eight months later, you know, because we're trying to get scheduling down and everything, we finally get them. And and uh, and and I, I I text him a couple more times. I said, "Hey, are you sure? Do you want me to change anything? Do you like the drum duet? Blah blah blah." No, it's great. It's going to be great. So I was like, "Okay, killer." So so he comes up the drum channel. We got there, I think, at ten, mm -hmm. and uh, and <laughs> Taylor he comes out and he doesn't bring his drum tech. He brought Wiley, who run who runs the Foo Fighter Studio now. But uh, he was a guitar tech. And so it was funny because, you know, I was helping Taylor set up his own drums and Wiley was pretty much hanging out because he's not a drummer, you know? <laughs> but so, so we set up his drums and everything and, and, uh, and then Taylor goes, you know what? I didn't listen to it. And then I just listened to it in the car 
and he goes, why'd you find me a prog rock piece? <laughs> and I was like, Taylor, because that's all we talk about. All we do oh, is no. do that. And we text each other, you know, all this prog rock 70s stuff, which is awesome. He goes, yeah. oh man. He goes, it's really hard. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, so now it's like the most uncomfortable situation ever, right? It's like, it's my project. <laughs> I get Taylor there. He's like busier than anything. And now yeah. I'm like, I'm like the jerk, right? I don't want to do that. So I'm like, I'm like, you know what? You don't have to do it. It's cool. You know, I totally understand. You got all this stuff together. I said, we could do, we could do anything else. If you want, you know, we could jam or, or make it easy. And, and the thing I love about Taylor is he's like, no, we're going to do it. So, oh. so, uh, so basically we were there with a whole film crew up at the drum channel. It just wasn't me and me and Taylor. And so we're learning, you know, all the parts and everything. And, and it wasn't that easy. And so we were there all day, literally. And by the end of the day, he nailed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes back to, to that not giving up kind of attitude that mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, in life, people that are up on a high level, I think they all do that, where it's just like, yes. you're not going to give up. You're just going to keep doing it and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then after he did it, um, my brother, Chad, he was playing with James Taylor and the Foo Fighters were, they were on the same festival or something. And, uh, and Chad called me up and he said, uh, he said, uh, Taylor ran up to me and said, your brother writes really, really hard stuff. <laughs> So I thought that was funny. I love that so much. That's a great story. And but he was—he was like just such a you know uh, a uh, perfectionist. He wouldn't—he wouldn't let up and just you know did it. And the final duet is is awesome. I mean, he's 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 playing great and he has such great energy and everything. And he actually taught me how to do a one-handed roll, which oh I had no—I had no idea that he could do that. And That's uh, amazing. So, the whole duet starts with him doing that because because uh, I was like, who knew, you know? Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. but but he grew up he grew up in Laguna Beach, as you know, and I I was the only brother born in Laguna Beach, and okay. my my parents lived there for three years when I was a kid, and then if we didn't move out of out of Laguna Beach, we would have been one street over from where Taylor grew up. Wow, how, how ironic is that? As uh, Alanis would say. All right. Well, there you go. We just tied it all together there. <laughs> that's right. That's, so that's amazing. And Laguna Beach is just such a, what a, what an art, art focused community. Artsy, right? Yeah. Artsy town and awesome place. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I actually just um, went there for, you know, recently for the first time and, and um, was just amazed by just all the art, like every, every, everywhere you looked and it's right. Beautiful. It's such a creative town. Yeah, Absolutely. it's killing. Yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the artists that you had on that were just so, so fantastic. And I imagine that some of them were some of your influences too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Steve Gadd, uh, Dennis Chambers, Alex Acuna did it. Mm -hmm. and, and he was amazing. Um, yeah, and then of course got... Uh, so, so my goal of that whole thing is, because I'm kind of diverse, I wanted, you know, like I have... Um, Scott Johnson, Scojo from the Blue Devils, mm -hmm. you know, all the way to Bernie Dressel from from uh, Brian Setzer to to Dennis to Taylor. Like, I didn't want it to be just like a fusion project, or mm -hmm. you know, I wanted all these different influences because to me that's more interesting too. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. and I tried to I tried to write the pieces just to be three and a half 
four minutes, even if we did longer versions and, and stuff, because I wanted them to be more like pieces. Mm-hmm. I, I love drum jams and everything, but I didn't want this to be like 20 minute thing of everybody. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And it is, it's so diverse. Like you mentioned Scott Johnson and the way like his, his setup is, and I just, I mean, all of that, it's just so fascinating how different one is from the next and your setup too. Um, in those drum duets, I mean, you have, you have the drums up high. It's just, it's amazing. Yep. You play like that. Um, and sometimes yeah, I started, talk, I started that right? in, yeah. So I started basically put my, my toms high and then cymbals low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started that in high school, mainly just to, to mix things up. Like I was kind of getting bored and, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, I love people that, that do stuff like that, like Terry Bozio and Daru from uh, yes. Jack White and all that kind of stuff. Just cause it's like, we're so creative in so many other ways. Why not be creative in your setups? And, and I don't use that set all the time, but, but it is, it is kind of challenging and, and different. And then when I uh, toured with Kazumi Watanabe, uh, I actually had a MIDI mallet cat that I play keyboard parts with that I put there. And then the toms were up. It made more sense, you know? Yeah, that's super cool. But... And that, that was the best tour, by the way. So when we toured the U.S., we were sponsored by the Japanese government and Sapporo Beer. But everywhere we toured, we had amnesty plates on our car. Wow. So, yeah, you could park anywhere. You can speed. <laughs> they, they don't pull you over. You have amnesty. So I was like crazy. That was like the craziest tour that I did. Wow. That, that sounds amazing. So if you want to go on tour, kids, get sponsored by the government. That's <laughs> yeah. the way to go. That's a good tip. That's a pro tip right there. Right? That's a pro tip right there. <laughs> um, and so if if people want to see if listeners and viewers want to see these drum duets where can we direct them so uh drum channel drum channel is probably the best place to do it okay yeah they're the they're the best place to get it and then and then and then i'm working on volume three as we speak that was going to be my next question when are we going to see more yep we're going to see more now and i have some commitments oh and actually uh your announcer, Mark Pusey, is uh, he committed to do a duet? So that's going to be cool. I love that. Yes, Mark. Isn't, isn't Mark? Isn't Mark awesome? He's amazing. Amazing. And he, and he took from uh, Murray Spivak as well, which was my drum teacher. Oh my goodness! Right. You know what? I didn't make that connection, but now that you say that, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I can write some hard stuff for him. It'd be great. I think, I think you should. He he's fantastic, and he sings too. I don't know if you knew that. That might be. I didn't know that, but now. all I know is that during the pandemic, you know, he was what out like saving people, like deep yes diving or something like crazy. He's like yeah. he's he's MacGyver. The RNLI um, in in London, uh, the I think real. National Lifeboat Institute, I think is what it stands for, but he's like a rescue right. rescuer on the boats in the Thames River. Like he's there. Right. It, yeah. I mean, he's on tour right now with Ed Sheeran, right? Or, or like, um, right. I, think he's, I think he's still out, but like in his spare time, he rescues people on lifeboats. I know. So. I mean, how, right? who does that? How awesome. Yeah. No, he's an awesome he's so guy. So awesome. And, and he is the best tour guide 
in London. He like Oh really? Oh my goodness. Yes. Next time I, you are in London, have I'm have, to have hit Mark him up. give you a tour. And not only will he know he knows all the history and everything, but um he will show up at your hotel with with snacks and you know, oh, wow. drinks and he's, 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 yeah, he's that kind of guy. He's so great. I'm so excited. You're going to work together. I can't wait. To yeah. That. So that's going to be cool. And he can save your life. So that's and always can, good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. So in right. an emergency, there he is. Yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> if you fall into the Thames river. <laughs> right. Which, which could happen, right. You never know. It yeah. could happen. Absolutely. And I don't know, there is a great video and, and, um, it's out there so we can, we can say this and Mark won't, um, get embarrassed by it. I think he actually posted it, but he saves a cat. He saves no a way. cat on the river and the cat's not too happy about it at first. So it's a really, really funny video. Um, <laughs> I gotta check it out. I'll send that link to you. Um, I'll have you no, but that's so great. I'm so excited about that. And, and, um, you know, so, so that's coming up. So you'll have a volume three coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you also, are you still doing um, uh, TV? Like you were doing TV theme songs and commercial music and all of that stuff too. Yeah. I, I still do like, yeah. Like a lot of jingles and stuff like that. And then, mm -hmm. um, um, well, the reason why uh, we moved to Vegas was uh, Terry Fader. He won America's Got Talent. And yes. then, and then he, um, so he called up and everything and, and I was telling Linda, I was like, well, at that time I was doing, uh, Megan Mullally's TV talk show. She's the girl from Will and Grace. Yes. And, uh, and I have funny stories about her too. She actually, so the first day I, I was there, she came up and she goes, my first husband was a drummer and, and, uh, and I dated a couple other drummers and I love drummers. So it's like instantly we totally, <laughs> we totally got on. And actually, she dated she she dated a, a drummer that I know that's really famous that I can't say. But oh my good, gosh! But I wish good, I could say, but that's okay. <laughs> I know good good stories and all that stuff. So, anyways, I was doing her show that lasted about a year, and we knew that it was wrapping up. Um, because showbiz, you know, the it's funny because back then it's like the ratings we were getting were four point three million a day, and. And that wasn't like good enough to keep it on TV because Oprah was getting like seven. And then now these days, if you have like a million, you're like, you're gold. Was, yeah, isn't that yeah, funny? I was to say that. I mean, but like, I don't think anyone should be, um, you know, measured against Oprah's ratings. I know. Right. But, right. Uh, but yeah, so that was wrapping up and then, uh, and then, yeah. And then Terry won America's Got Talent and everything. And, and, uh, and then he signed a hundred million dollar 10 year deal in Vegas. Wow. at the mirage and uh so i told my wife i said pack your bags we're going so that's how we ended up here that's amazing that's yeah, amazing it was, a, it was a great run i i worked with him for 12 years here and um yeah it was great and then pandemic hit and you know that that changed all that absolutely but i'm just so i'm so happy that you know like your your persistence and Again, like we said earlier, the resiliency and the ability to pivot and make yeah. make it work. I mean, um, it's it's just amazing to me what everyone has done to get through the pandemic, to adjust, and now and now to like get back to you know almost like real life. I do, do we dare say it? <laughs> like, I know, right? You know? Exactly. 
Yeah. It's amazing. It's definitely, so amazing. Head, definitely heading towards that, it feels like. And it feels like people appreciate music more. It feels like they appreciate concerts more when you do them. The crowds are really enthusiastic. Yes. And it's almost like I felt like before the pandemic, maybe a lot of things and concerts and were getting taken for granted. And I think, you know, now people realize that music is, you know, a necessity. And I think art is a necessity. You know, it's very, Absolutely. very important. And yeah. my dad... My dad being an educator his whole life and and uh, still teaching, you know, he teaches privately now. But um, you know, music education is so important, and and uh, music is so important. And and I do think that there was, yeah, there was a little bit of a disregard for how important all of these things are in our lives and what got us through the pandemic was music and art and things being created and shared online and, you know, ma music made remotely and the concerts Absolutely. that we saw, right? The live streams, all of that stuff. I feel like, I feel right. like that got us through. That was there for us. You know, when we were all isolated, that's what pulled us together. And um, I know I have a new appreciation for everything, art and music, um, you Same know, here. and just, being at shows again, like there was a thought that I had a thought there for a minute. I think a lot of us had had these moments where we thought, are we ever going to get back to it? Is this ever going to happen again? And it, I know, to see right? it now, right? To be there, to be at a show. I mean, I'm like loving being in a whole big crowd of people enjoying music together. It's just like, it makes me so happy, um, yeah. you know, and I can see it on other people's faces too. And in their reactions, the crowd energy yeah. is there yeah i think everybody's energy is just really elevated and and uh concerts are like over the top now which i which yeah. i love absolutely so great and so john how can people follow you you're on instagram right yep i'm on instagram i'm on facebook um let's see uh my website johnwackerman.com uh, my studio is wackerman studios with an s.com and Perfect. uh yeah that that's that's how i do my stuff uh drum channel you get most of my uh i think you get all the duets up on there and yeah like that amazing okay i will link to all of these things in the description um and in the show notes on the podcast platform so everyone can see where you're at and follow along and check you out um, awesome. and be a part of the next drum duets release. I cannot wait for that. I can't wait to hear who else. I know. And I got, I got some, uh, I got some good surprises, Sarah, that I think, uh, I think you like. Awesome. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Um, and hopefully we get back to, you know, getting, getting together at shows and events and all that stuff. Um, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. but in, until then I'll look forward to seeing what you're up to and, um, Thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. I so appreciate it. And doing these podcasts and everything. I think they're really awesome. I've seen a bunch of them and real informative. And I think it's great to, to uh, get them out there. Thank you so, so much. And please say hello to your dad for me too. I definitely will. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Take care. Okay. Thanks, sir. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you. Yay. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Sorry about that. No. This is awesome. So, 
So the phone call came in and it threw my, my headphones off. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I was like, this is good like, though. Okay. Where I feel did like, you go? So I feel was... like this is real, Sarah. I feel like we're totally like real here. <laughs> we should, we'll leave it all in. No. <laughs> like, like I gotta go, you know, there's a bigger name on the line, Sarah. So I gotta go, you know? <laughs> <laughs>